0: Hello and welcome to Nevermind the Bar Charts with myself, Mark Pack. But this time, it's another special edition with the Lib Dem pod team of John, Hannah and Martin. So, over to them for this time's show. How did I not
1: know that Mark Pack was a massive swim- <laughs> I'm not, I'm not. Uh, Mark, well, I think the
0: last did, Otherwise, Mark, yeah. I think when the podcast goes up, you've got to put a little teaser for people to try and figure out yeah. how yeah. many songs we actually came up with.
2: Yes, we're back with a reaction episode to the MidBeds podcast and what the consequences are going forward. Joining me today uh, is party president, host of the Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast, and generally just a really top guy, is Mark Pack. Welcome back, Mark.
0: Hi, John. Lovely to join you again.
2: And joining me from two different sides of the country, we have the Lib Dem leader of Horsham Council joining us. Hello, Martin Boffey. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, Jan, John. Good to be here. And she needs no introduction. Always calm, polite and very enthusiastic about Labour, we have Hannah Kitchen, the leader of the Lib Dem Opposition Party on Barnsley Council. Hello, Hannah.
1: Hello, John. Hello, everyone.
2: Right. I think we'll go to Mr President first, because for those of you that don't know uh, the by-election result from last week, which I'm sure you do, is that Labour won it with 13,872 uh, votes, with 34% of the, of the vote, Tories came coming in at twelve and a half thousand, just about, and Lib Dems doing a really strong showing at nine thousand four hundred, and then odds and sods below. But basically, Labour won it with a one thousand one hundred and ninety-two majority. Now, I suppose, Mark, from your point of view, what were your initial reactions to that uh, vote from from all parties' point of view?
0: I mean, the big picture story is. Uh, given just how badly the conservatives did actually in both the by-elections you know the message for them very clearly is that it's time to go i think obviously from our point of view we had great hopes because emma was a fantastic candidate and very frustrating to be what was it four thousand four hundred fifty-two votes short and i think that's worth emphasizing because we came emma came you know very close to pulling off what would have been a fantastic win and we'd all be in the happy afterglow of you know another brilliant Lib Dem uh, by-election win sadly we didn't quite make it but I think given how close we were and given you know I mean yeah all, all of us on this call and I know many listeners will know about the sort of margins of error there are around trying to extrapolate election results from canvas data and so on I think it was absolutely the right thing to sort of go flat out for it sadly you know uh, amazing history making runs of victories do sometimes have to come to an end at least temporarily so um, it's a real shame that Emma hasn't had the chance to become MP this time round. but I think we can feel quite optimistic about what the by-election says about how unpopular the Tories are.
2: Yeah and Hannah you spent a, a lot of time down there both doing front of house canvassing doing this that and everything as you always do in by-elections you're a proper trooper did this result feel like what it felt like on the doors while you were campaigning?
1: Yeah, so as as you said, I've I've spent quite a lot of time down there, primarily door knocking. To be honest, and I did quite a lot of door knocking with the with Emma and the candidate team as well. Um, and it's a really, really varied constituency. So you could knock in in one village in the morning and get uh, loads of soft Tories. Not find a single sort of Labour or anti-Tory yeah. voter and then you could knock on another village or a different part of town in the afternoon and not find a single Tory voter so um, I think that made it really hard when you had sort of like different people's experiences coming in off the doorstep some people ha- you know had more positive sessions than others I think to be honest it felt like a three-way fight and, um, and I think probably really up until the last week or so the result could have gone you know any any one of several ways really because not it's not just three wins not because it's not, it's not just about who wins it's you know who about come, who, who comes second um I have to say that sort of eve of poll polling day um, for me certainly had the distinct feel of polling day Sheffield Hall in 2017 and 2019 Uh, you know we've all we've all been involved in winning polling days where you like you feel like the momentum is behind you and you know and you're winning and then we've all been involved in polling days where it like it really doesn't and you're thinking we might just drag this one over the line but it 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 will be like
2: the drift is going away yeah
1: yeah and I think I think there were a I mean number one there have i mean there have been some you know really quite bad takes on this um from a whole variety of sources and but that's always the case with elections because the you know your 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 outcome of numbers of what votes went in what pile don't tell you anything about where those votes were previously and it's only by knocking on you know thousands and thousands of doors as some people have done in this campaign that you can sort of get a real sense of that and my sense was that the vote was incredibly soft all the way all the way through so the, the people that were conservatives were not particularly minded to vote conservative um but could probably still be tempted to vote conservative if they didn't like the alternative or if soon like pulls me out of the bag um the the people that were the vast majority of anti-Tory vote was just that as always you get you know I mean there was you know a few tribal Labour voters I think it's fair to say they're they're around and about and we know that they've got a bigger base than us but the vast majority of anti-Tory voters and indeed Tory voters were just really confused as to who best to vote for in order to get the best result and it felt to me like over that last week um a couple of things happened I think the I think it was the post-conference season media coverage. So I'm not claiming that the general public watches all the coverage of of Labour conference, but I think the vibe post Labour's conference season was quite buoyant. And that sort of came across in in the media and in the mood of activists as well, Um, which um, I, I think it's fair to say the squeeze failed. So it very much felt to me like the vast majority of the anti-Tory vote went onto the labor pile. Um, certainly, I think, I mean, obviously I've not seen box counts, but I suspect we did better in the postals um, and less well on the day because that squeeze had moved, it had moved to labor. The anti- Tory vote had moved to labor. And simultaneously, I felt that the soft Tory vote firmed up. So, if people look at, you know, obviously the media likes to talk about swing, and obviously there was a massive swing to Labour. I mean, there was a massive swing to us as well, to be fair, but you know, massive swing to Labour. Um, don't do don't think it quite outswung the swing in, in Tiverton Honiton, but still big swings. But when you look at the absolute numbers, basically the Tories stayed home. Yeah. And that message that we managed, the, the thing that got us over the line in previous wins, Tiverton Honiton, Northrop, Scheffel and particularly, was that that big chunk of soft Tories who were like, do I stay home? Do I vote Tory? Do I vote Lib Dem? I'm not voting Labour. All decided at the end, God, yeah, fuck it, I'll vote Lib Dem. And they came to us. And that's why we didn't just win. We won by like 8,000, 15,000, 20,000, because those people moved. That didn't happen in this one. And all through it felt like they might, it felt like they might, felt like they might. And then at the end, the Tory vote firmed up. And I was knocking people on polling day who were soft Tory consider yes. And they were either telling me they'd voted Tory or they weren't telling me how they'd voted. And that's not a good sign on polling day. Mm. So the combination of those two factors, the Tory vote firm, I suspect because they thought Labour were going to win and they didn't want to risk voting Lib Dem and letting them in. And uh, the the anti-Tory vote going to Labour combined with quite significant Tory abstention, I presume because of a lack of enthusiasm about getting a Labour MP, um meant that Labour somehow managed to win the biggest swing in their entire history by turning out fewer votes than they did in the 2019 general election, which I think is quite an achievement, really.
2: Right. There's there's an awful lot to unpack there in Hannah's first uh session of this podcast. And we'll get to some of those points in a second. But Martin, come to you, just before I do come to you, mm-hmm. I also we thanked obviously for emma for her wonderful uh campaign and what how good she was as a candidate we should also just think it's it's very easy to thank the candidates in the most prominent campaign we should also thank sonny up in tamworth who stood for us because it is a it is a thankless task knowing you're the bridesmaid of the day which he was uh so yeah so but martin your impressions of the result um
3: so i guess some of what i bring is the perspective of a bit more of a member's perspective because. I I will, I will confess I was not able to be involved in in this campaign. Yeah, I know Hannah, terrible of me, but um, um, there, there are reasons I won't go into them. But I have the followed it might be one of them. Yeah, I have followed it <laughs> uh, um, avidly, and it's been an interesting one because of the the sort of the slow burn. And was it going to be straight away? No, it wasn't. And, and sort of watching watching the, the 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 fortunes move. I mean, I think. Initial reaction to the result, obviously, um, it's disappointing um, to have not got over the line and won on it. But I think um, when you look at all the numbers polled on it, it just makes you go... uh, For certainly feels like that was a very low turnout. It's like, you know, those are are sort of district council turnout numbers as opposed to, um, you know, a Westminster election. And obviously by elections the turnout is often lower than than it would be on a on a general election but it still felt quite low so i think there's a Forty
2: four to know, percent margin. yeah yeah know. exactly
3: and what can you say yeah. about what what so what does that turn you feel, make you know about what's really going on there it's it's hard to know when those numbers you know all of a sudden those those are right quite quite fine margins in that it could have gone a very different way if a few more if a few more people had ter- turned out really on the day so um that's part of the impression and I think I don't think the media leading into it as you say it was it was quite buoyant for Labour uh, as being sort of on the outside looking at it I don't think that you know I you know checking on what's going on with the Guardian and I don't think they were really doing us any favours with their reporting um on this one and then and then it starts to look afterwards like well they were right weren't they well actually you know sometimes they're they're influencing what the result is as opposed to just just reporting on it so I don't think that that was that was particularly helpful and you know at times it looked like it was on for us and then and then you'd go through a diff- different difficult patch I think one noticeable to me was you know we were our conference we were talking about mid-beds constantly Labour's conference I don't think they even mentioned it so I don't know how how they were how confident they were feeling in a, in advance of it so I, I really think it you know, It it, it could have gone any way, really, and unfortunately, it didn't go for us.
2: I mean, can we just say, I mean, the nightmare scenario for me in this whole election was, and and I'm not breaking any confidences here, is that Tories narrowly win, Labour second and we're third, and you get all that absolute uproar against the Lib Dems. Oh, you should stand down everywhere. You're just ruining everything for Labour. We need to get it. Not having that scenario was an absolute joy for me on that Friday. I was celebrating with a glass of red wine in Spain, very happy that I didn't have to deal with that. But Martin's right. 24,000 people who vote in 2019 didn't vote in this by-election. That was a, a huge drop-off in, uh, in the amount of people who voted. And I suppose Mark... Trying to learn the consequences is is actually what does that mean? Because what will happen to that Tory vote? I mean, there's been, like I say, Hannah's talked about some of the takes. A lot of ones are the Lib Dems seem to gobble up quite a lot of Tory votes in the villages, while the Labour probably Mm -hmm. took those, you know, the main conurbations again, a bit like what they've done in other by elections or what the Greens kind of did in uh, Tiverton, not in Somerton and Froome. Um, But how, I mean, I'm not going to talk to you about polling, Mark. You are Mm -hmm. the expert on it. But how can we? What can we learn from this as a consequence going forward that where are Labour going to be? Where are the Tories going to be going forward?
0: I think, you know, when you miss out by as relative small margin as we did, there's always a bit of sort of wistful thinking about, you know, would have, could have, should have. And we definitely need to do a bit of that because there are always lessons to learn, even when you win. And in fact, often that's the occasion when you most neglect the opportunity to learn things. So we definitely need to do that. But I think... The broad picture is that the Tories are phenomenally unpopular and really focusing on issues like uh, cost of living and the state of the NHS and sewage does really work at winning winning votes off the Tories. And actually, Labour were running on very similar issues in some ways to the ones that we were running on. Um, and I think that's reassuring, you know, both of those are reassuring thinking about our general election prospects, because most of our general election contests are Lib Dem Conservative fight, not all, there are some Lib Dem Labour fights, the sort of Lib Dem SNP battle, for example, in Scotland, important, you know, but, but overwhelming it is Lib Dem Tory, and also that, you know, the Tory attempt to make the next election a cultural election, Certainly this, you know, mid-Bedfordshire has added to the picture suggesting that maybe that will allow them to turn a catastrophe into a disaster, you know, to sort of, yeah. but it's yeah. not the thing that, uh, you know, looks like it will turn defeat into shock victory for them.
2: And I, and I suppose from from my time, I went there around the postal vote time and I was in, the, the, in places like Woburn and places like that, which were, which were really quite affluent. And I think Hannah touched on it before, the fact that, you could feel there was a sense of Tories who really didn't want to vote to the Tory. They were looking for any sort of excuse not to. None of the culture war stuff, none of HS2, none of the stuff or whatever the Tories wanted to kind of talk about mm. came up. It was about competence. They just, these Tories have been voting Tories mm. since forever and just expect the Tories to, A, not do what they did last year in destroying the economy. But also, they definitely did come up that they were worried about Labour in terms of, and a lot of these kind of, well, upper-middle-class kind of voters in those areas are we're, we're, we're still nervous about Labour. And I suppose going forward, Hannah and uh, and Martin, we have to be a little bit weary of, as Lib Dems, if that comes up even more in our, in seats where we want to win, that's, that's not great for us if Tories aren't willing to switch to the Lib Dems because of their worried of Labour, which was a disaster in 2019 because of Corbyn. Uh, but I'll go Martin first. I mean, what do you think will be the consequences of this going forward from well let's let's start with the Tories Martin you you're you're primarily Tory facing what's yeah. the what's the feel on the ground with your Tory councillors what's left of them um
3: well I've was, I was sp- spoken to a couple of them recently and I, I I think it's um you know it's still pretty fatalistic I don't think that there's not there's not much enthusiasm for what what's going on at, at the centre of mm. of the party but 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 strangely enough I don't I think I think this is more a this is more a validation of that than than rather some some new big big event I think it's it, it's it's almost kind of baked in with local local activists really I don't think it's that much of a shock and I don't think it it is it, more just a continuation of how they've been feeling already that you know you know at, at certainly at, at council level they're very much engaged in in local issues and what's going on in our district and not really wanting to talk about about <laughs> national politics very much because i don't think they really have much confidence or faith in what's going on at the center and i i kind of feel like they're sort of waiting for it all to be over <laughs> to then make a start on what what comes afterwards they're
2: bunkering down. One,
3: one thing I'll just mention, just a, a, a takeaway from, from the campaign and how it went and some of the messages as well, is that I think it's quite useful, even though we didn't win this one, and that's a real shame, but I think it's quite useful that there was uh, an all-in pitch battle from all, all three sides fighting it because it helps negate to a certain extent, some of that. Oh, there's some secret deal going on all over the country between Labour and the Lib Dems. Well, <laughs> not in mid-Bethynshire, I wasn't.
2: And let's let's be honest, we've talked about the Thornhill review loads. Lib Dems getting over cocky and believing they can win everywhere, you know, was a, has been a real problem with us going in the mm-hmm. last... Well, in several general elections going back, where we think, I know, I'm going to win this. We haven't got a single councillor, but we're going to take that seat. No, you're not. Uh, and I think, Hannah... What your big outcome from this, your consequence or what it's going to mean, say, for the Lib Dems or any of the other parties?
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I don't think it does us any harm to lose every now and then. Certainly, you know, my concern after Tibetan and Honiton, uh, which is, of course, a, a seat in Devon, which we have never, ever, ever won and was never anywhere near any of our target seats, was that the consequence of that would be that every single seat in Devon and Cornwall would think that they could win at the next general election and they can't uh we need to, we still need to target and we need to target very, very modestly next time. So if this uh you know if this reminds members and activists, particularly in those moving forward seats who desperately, desperately want to be target seats but aren't, you know, the priority for the next general election remains get to your nearest target seat. Let's get 25, 30 seats over the line, rather than thinking we can win more than that. I do think there is um, a, a potential... So that's a positive consequence. Um, I do think there is a potentially negative consequence for um, that the Labour vote. And I've talked about this before, because this is a risk anyway, when yeah. they're polling like they're polling. Um, they just get cocky. They just get cocky. And, you know, they're lying sort of on Friday morning. I didn't watch any of the coverage, actually. I, I mean, I presume they didn't have, you know, like red roses being fired out of a water cannon or anything. I presume it was literally just like <laughs> Keir Starmer in front of Flittick Tesco's in the drizzle. Um, <laughs> but they, they get cocky, basically. And the line was, there's no no-go areas for Labour. Labour can win everywhere in the country. And it's like, well, the thing is, lads, actually, you can't. You know, mm. like even the most ridiculously optimistic polling results where you get a 35% swing in every single constituency still leaves the Tories with some seats and leaves us with some seats and leaves the SNP with some seats so no you can't win everywhere and where that's a difficulty is in um, our seats where we need a Labour squeeze so we need to squeeze the Labour vote Um, the, the, the worry is that that squeeze will unravel now that might well be mitigated by the lack of motivation around the conservative vote so we don't need to switch as many conservative votes to get over the line you know much like much like labor did tori we stay at home we're in a comfortable second we get over the line even without that uh, even without that squeeze vote but yeah it's cocky labor and no fun for anyone anywhere
3: yeah if we could just go in a bit that's one of the other things in, in in my area um i'm not too worried about a big change and big enthusiasm in the labor Campaign per se and their activism because it is it is where it is at and and, and they, they always go for us anyway they 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 don't, they never back off and they're not going to back off now but it's more in terms of how any some of their messaging might land because in our constituency Labour have never won an election for anything ever <laughs> in this area no district council seats no county council seats not just none at the moment never any. Um, They've only, they came second slightly in 2017 in the general election. But even in 2015, we still beat them prior to that. And we've, we've, we beat them again in 2019. But they'll now be wanting to sort of put that message out there, sort of like, we can win anywhere. We are the challenges here and all that. We control the council here now, but they'll, it will still be, you know, and, and getting that message across. Is 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 the hard is, is that hard part, and this has probably made it a little bit harder. But you know, we're still up for
2: it. So, Mark, was it similar? Oh, this makes it, sound, makes it sound like I'm referring to you as the old man in the, in the podcast. But was this similar in '97? I mean, I was.
0: I was. A I, little bit well, well we should maybe reveal to listeners that we were discussing Roy of the Rovers before you hit record. <laughs> so you may be caricaturing me quite fairly there, John.
2: <laughs> but you know that labour. Optimism. I mean, I don't know because you know after so long of Thatcher, then Major, and you do hear for see it from the Alistair uh, Campbell diaries and Mandelson how terrified they were even on polling day in ninety seven that they that something was going to go wrong. Now, does this feel like that? I
0: mean, from your polling, does it? I, I mean, I think the thing that is very different is the lack of enthusiasm for Labour, yeah. and actually if you look at the turnout in parliamentary by-elections i mean it always falls compared to the previous general election that the fall in turnout in by-elections though in this parliament is a bit bigger than it was in the 92-97 parliament but also when you scratch under the surface a bit about just how optimistic people are that a Labour government would make things better or how keen they really are on Keir Starmer in many ways Labour and Keir Starmer are polling much worse than Blair In all respects, except the one that really matters, which is voting intention. You know, in the end, it doesn't matter how reluctantly somebody puts the cross, it still counts the same, whether it's an enthusiastic. So I I I think, you know, there are reasons for Labour to be a bit nervous, but I don't think there are reasons that should make us doubt labour is significantly ahead of the tories in the popularity stakes and you know that is what we'll see i think come a general election i think the good thing for us as a party is we tend to do best when a general election isn't perceived as a really close race between tories and labour because then people feel like they've got a bit more space to think about us think about what you know what they uh who they really want as their constituency mp and you know we can dream of you know a gold rush across swathes of the map and so on and so I, I think that's, you know, probably quite good news for us. Plus, I think, frankly, where, you know, I think we all are in the parties, we really want to get rid of the Conservatives from government. They have been such a disaster these last few years. Hannah?
1: Yeah, I was going to say that. I think the enthusiasm is amongst activists, members, um, mm. the media. The, the, there is not enthusiasm out there on out there on the doorsteps. You know, I've knocked on a lot of doors in this campaign and not a single person said to me, do you know what we really need? We really need Keir Starmer. I, I literally didn't hear that one. I heard one or two people say to me, I'm voting for Labour because I've met the Labour chap and I think he's a really nice guy. And I think he'll be a really good MP for this area. Um, and the rest of it, it was literally just, I think they can beat the Tories. I think they can beat the Tories. I think you're lying. And I think they can beat the Tories. That, there was n- really no enthusiasm whatsoever. Um, and as Mark says, that will probably be enough to get over the line. I have to say, I don't fancy their chances in mid-beds in, in a general election. Um, no. No. So I think that they, I think, like I say, I think they cleaned up the vast majority of the anti-Tory vote. And, you know, that 24,000 vote Conservative majority from last time stayed at home, sat on its sofa. So our vote, I suspect, will collapse as all the Tories that vote for us go. Flipping Lib Dems, Flipping told us they would win and Labour wouldn't and damn them, Labour went and won.
2: You know, what's really interesting, Hannah, From, from the chats I had with Tory voters, a lot of Tory voters wanted to give the government a kick in it was felt like it was almost cathartic to him to actually say actually they are a lot of been naughty let's give them a spanking let's not given the amount of sexual problems that have been within tory members of parliament i, sh- I we won't won't go further into that analogy but there's definitely something there that the tories wanted them they just needed a, like a like to be set right again, almost like we just said about how Lib Dems—it's not a worse thing not winning all the time, not getting you away all the time. I have a feeling that was the Tory vote as well.
1: I, I I suspect that there's a significant chunk of the Tory vote that is not at all delighted at the result, including the Tories that voted for us in the hopes of getting mm-hmm. Emma, and a Lib Dem MP, rather than rather than a Labour MP. And I, I mean, I think it's reasonable to assume, Mark, is it that that a lot of those Conservative voters who sat it out in a by-election will will turn out in a general. And Yeah,
0: but I think the fact that they've sat it out doesn't mean they'll just go back to the Tories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's certainly in, in previous Parliaments, by-elections overall have been a decent indicator of the next general election result. So I think mm-hmm. it's foolish of some in the Conservative Party to try to sort of take some solace from, oh, it was just Conservative supporters sitting at home, because no, actually, that is... The warning sign that you're in you're in trouble um and it's it's a warning sign that voters are just thinking sorry you know you're losing me i might might have been a lifelong conservative but i'm really unhappy now
1: so so do you think mark that labor would have a decent stab at holding this seat at, at the next uh at the next general election
0: well so I, I i chose my words very carefully there the parliamentary by-elections are a good indicator of the overall general election result obviously the actual churn in the individual constituencies that switched hands at parliamentary by-elections can be quite high. Mm. Um, so I think that's a much, a, a much tougher one to call, but although individual seats will often go one way and then revert, the overall pattern though is of, if you're at a government losing lots of seats in by-elections, you then do badly at a general election is a, is a good solid pattern. Yeah.
3: And, and where are some of those votes going to go as well? Those conservatives mm. who, who turned out, you know, cause they, they, they could go to us, they could go to Labour. I mean, even some of it, you know, um reform UK are not gonna sit mm. this one out. This oh, time, yeah, I, I mean if they
0: time. stand a full slate of candidates as they're threatening to, I mean that will be a really nice little bonus in some close contests, I'm sure that could well make the difference. Yeah. But I
3: look, think the other thing is look, when I think look look at this, trying to just comparing back, John, if it's right. I think um this Conservative government is is starting to look very much like the 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 ninety five to ninety seven vintage conservative government, but I think I think Labour is looking very much like, um, Keir Starmer's not Tony Blair, he's Neil Kinnock, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the Labour Party is looking more like a sort of a ninety to ninety two variant, and and if they get you know get cocky about this, I don't think it's going to be enough to, enough to lose them the election, but I don't know where it is going to actually land. them.
0: Yeah, although the I one mean, thing that actually we Lib Dems should take a bit of credit for is the you know the recall uh, act that allows MPs to be recalled yeah. and essentially is forcing a series of scandal ridden MPs out of Parliament and triggering by elections, which the yeah. Conservatives then then lose. Is I I we wouldn't have nearly as many by elections were it not for that mechanism because otherwise MPs would think, well, I, okay, I've been kicked out of my party, I might say I'll stand down at the next election, but then they would have. Hang on, there is a, um, it's not as long a list as we would like of political reforms that we successfully got through in 2010 to 15, but I think actually it's really quite healthy because you can see not just the individual MP being held to account properly, but I think the longer term impact on all parties of the fact that actually, if you don't get your act together over candidate selection, if you don't get your act together over how your MPs behave, you can then face an embarrassing by-election and a real political bloody nose is a really important bit of self-interest for all parties to to, to up, up the game on, on ethics and standards in future. So yay for the Lib Dems. <laughs> Shock news Absolutely. on this podcast, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, what?
2: Well, I just want to kind of slightly come back on what Hannah said about Labour attitudes. And I do wonder if that is slightly reflected because I've, I've said this privately. I don't know if I've said this publicly yet in terms of... All the canvassing I'm doing in my patch, in the by-election patches, when I go do go to Cheedor and Hazel Grove to help out those target seats as well. That Labour vote, I feel there's something there that is must be really worrying for Labour in terms of it's it's just so shallow in terms of that support. They are looking for, they're just not just not enthused, but they're the the questioning about Starmer. I have Labour turned this corner and I do wonder, and it might not happen in the next general election because the Tories are an absolute shower at the moment, but will it Will it five years later suddenly be a really difficult election for mm. Labour to defend if they get back in, particularly because they're not going to have the, the economic boon that Brown and Blair had in 97. So how that will affect, and I, I do think that Labour support could very quickly fall off and i and I wonder, I'm going to talk a little bit, we don't have to talk about long about this, about Peter Kyle's attitude and allegations against the Lib Dems, which basically, I, I was quite offended by when he basically said Lib Dems are just a bunch of homophobic so-and-sos. Um, and it's interesting, he had a huge complaint about us saying uh, Labour's London candidate. For those that don't know, that the the now MP, Alistair oh, is that how you pronounce it? Something like that. His seat that he left in London is up for by-election tomorrow. So just in case anyone thought that Lib Dems were making that up, we clearly weren't in Waltham Forest. But is that a sign that Labour, that aggression that Peter Carl had... I'll go to you first, Mark, because you're probably the most Mm. diplomatic of us all. (laughs) Is that aggression that's coming from people like Peter Carl, who I never really thought of as a particularly angry, tub-thumping sort of MP... Is that an indication that Labour do have things to, to be nervous about? Maybe they're not as confident or know that it's going to be a really difficult government when they
0: get in? I mean, given how wound up he is already, I fear if we were to go around pointing out that him being so wound up just <laughs> is a sign of how scared he probably is, I'm not sure he might explode. <laughs> but but yeah, it, it definitely, it's not, he doesn't act like a man who is really full of confidence deep down inside, does he? He, he acts like a man who, um, I mean, I just want to drop him a note. Dear Peter, you need to calm down. Best wishes, a stranger from another party. Not sure it would work, but it's, yeah. I. But I mean, that said, let's not forget the basic dynamic of British politics, which Labour are infuriatingly bad at remembering, is under the current combination of political rules we have, the Conservatives win two general elections out of three, And that's not because they, uh, you know, consistently have got more than half of the population, half of the voters uh, backing them. Um, And so in a way, Labour nervousness is is worthwhile. I just wish it would translate a bit more into thinking, well, maybe we need to think about political reform as opposed to uh, let's see how angry I can get about the Lib Dems on a podcast. It's it's just a bit bit sad. Come on, raise your game, Peter. See the bigger picture step up with a bit of political leadership and actually concentrate on fixing our political system
2: and I can't remember I really hope
0: he doesn't hear what I've just said because who knows <laughs> how, how, <laughs> oh, how wild he will be there
1: oh I I hope he does smart <laughs> <hope he> <laughs> the, the, um the sort of the the na- you know the nasty aggressive whiny attitude from from Peter Kyle throughout the campaign was pretty much what those of us who campaign with tribal labor, Uh, you know, have come to know and love whinging and whining about the Liberal Democrats doing things which are exactly the same things as the Labour Party doing election campaigns all the time. What I thought was really next level uh, was that the whinging and complaining carried on into Friday. (laughs) Like the the term sore winner is, is not something I think we ever thought we would, you know, we would coin, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone uh, watched his little whinge on the uh, news agents podcast or the um, uh, the Lib Dem statement from, I presume, some talented soul in our media team, uh, which I don't know what the host is called, but he he basically Peter Carl had a big old rant don't um, on, on that's the one, and he he read out the statement and it basically said, uh, dear Peter, um, we we. I, so it was correcting something like we you didn't you didn't take any legal action action we did not tell any lies um we suggest you go and have a hot bath an early night and try and focus on enjoying the results yeah. and you know it really is something isn't it when that's all he can all he can think about and i mean you know i think when if you look at some of our by-election results we absolutely squeezed the labor vote to death you know in in Tiverton, Honiton, it they got something like two percent or something. It was, and what did we do the next day? We thanked Labour supporters for for lending us their votes in order to to beat the Tories and kick out a Tory MP. We, we didn't we didn't whinge and whine about them and gloat about about beating them, even though they, we all really like beating Labour. And and yeah, Peter Kyle and and some of his uh, you know his his team decided to take the I think. Uh, less than higher ground on this one. You know, you won, mate. Get over it.
2: But I think this is interesting going forward. And Martin, you obviously, as someone who had phenomenal success in the local elections, the toxicity around the Lib Dems is actually mm-hmm. has diminished so much now. I mean, you still get the old the odd coalition basher or something like that, but they will probably never be going to vote for us anyway. And maybe it's the fact that both Peter Kyle and, say, Danny Finkelstein on the toy side, because Danny Finkelstein was on the Red Box Politics podcast with Miranda Green, and Danny Finkelstein was trying to argue the case that the Lib Dem shouldn't exist anymore. What's the point? Because there's no area of differential between us and Labour.
0: He's and been course- arguing that... It's it's brilliant the way he recycles that argument every eighteen months or so, and you know he's been using that
3: ever since he left the SDP. Exactly,
0: (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Bet him; he's a smart, a smart enough person that he manages to tell the story in an interesting way each time. But my goodness, it is a story he rolls out very, very regularly. But I assume that means you know, for me,
2: I'm fairly confident. Hmm unhappy about the place the lib dems are at in terms mm. of our ability to squeeze labor and to switch tories it is a useful place with a a, a keir starmer like figure who isn't tony blair and isn't threatening like jeremy corbyn it's a nice place mm. for the Lib Dems to be. And Martin, as a someone like I said, who had phenomenal success in the mm. locals, how are you feeling the Lib Dems going forward now? Because, you know, we are now in less than maybe a year to the general election. Where do you think the Lib Dems can go from this result forwards?
3: I think we're in a good place. I think there's a there's a great, there's still a great opportunity there and there's a lot to be enthusiastic about. But I think um, it's, it's about seizing the opportunity and going out to people with a message that's just as much about what we're for as what we're against, because I think people need to be convinced that we're not I'll, t- I'll take people's protest votes, but I- I'd quite like them to to stick with us because they're voting for us for something, because that will be enduring and that will help build momentum and get us there. So I think we've got to, you know, I think it's very, very different different fighting local elections to general elections, and people are not entrusting you with as much, but we were very conscious about whilst we were ho- happy to hold the op- the other side to account for their failures we were going out there with a positive message about what what we wanted to do and what how how we wanted to improve things and how we literally wanted to make things better because that's what our campaign was about and i think you know people need to hear what what you want to do rather than what what you're against and i think you know it's 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 got to be focused it's got to be slick and tight and, 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 you know, good message to in on that and not getting too, not making it too complicated. But, you know, people are looking for someone to show them, you know, better possibilities and, and be clear about what they want to do rather than just being critical of what they want to get rid of.
2: And I suppose that leads us onto the anniversary of Rishi Sunat being Prime Minister. So mm. he's been Prime Minister for a year and a day, and so his main goal, I think, was to stabilize that ship, the Liz Truss sinking ferry. Um, and I suppose the first thing has he done that? I mean, we think about his five pledges. Obviously, three of them were about the economy, one on immigration, one on the NHS. He must be Mart. He must be the Tories that Martin talked about fatalism, fatalism in the in the Tory ranks. The fact that yes. He's gone up a little bit since the Liz mm-hmm. Truss drop, but that poll lead of Labour has stayed pretty consistent through conference, through whatever, through culture wars, everything he's thrown at it. Is it the fact that maybe Bishi Sunak just isn't that good a politician?
0: I mean, he is the man, after all, who lost a leadership election to Liz Truss. <laughs> uh, <Yes. laughs> but I think you're, right. in a way, though, he's got a lot to be grateful to Liz Truss for, because if we hadn't had the Liz Truss premiership, I think we'd now be having lots of speculation about whether he would be ousted as Conservative Party leader and Prime Minister, because as you say, he is—you know—he is polling, and the Conservative Party are polling really poorly. Um, and you know, one of the things that, in the past, sometimes an unpopular government has done to turn around its fortunes is to drop an incumbent Prime Minister to change leader. Most famously, going from Mrs. Thatcher to John Major in 1990 meant you know Tories did then go on to win in 92. Um, but I mean, having the, being on their third leader of this Parliament, I can't quite see them going for the fourth leader. But it, it's an illustration of just how poorly things are going. That you sort of it, we're even down, you know, this conversational rabbit hole of saying, well, if it, it's only Liz Truss who's ironically keeping Rishi Sunak in in because his poll ratings and their election results are just so poor.
2: Yeah, and it'll be really interesting after the next set of locals because I now don't believe that there'll be the general election will happen in May. I just think the Tories, it'll be too early for them. I mean, we're going to get the autumn statement in the next couple of weeks, so maybe something like that. Um, but there's just not enough time for them to turn it around. The polls haven't shifted enough. Do you so want a fun are-
0: prediction for next year or fun possibility for next year? Don't, bother, don't ask whether it's going to be May or August or September because, you know, we could have an election in May, a hung parliament, and then an election again in September. So it could be both. It could be wow. both. Yeah, let's. let's, let's, let's not if, if, if anyone I've... is listening rather than watching to this, move <laughs> over to YouTube straight away to catch Hannah's facial expression as I said that Martin was well, impressively I... poker faced, but Hannah was. Well, I don't uh, know. not the, so they... poker faced.
2: The eyebrows went up. A, before you come in, Hannah, I want to do. Before you come in, Hannah, I want to do a very point. Part, partly with my ALDC hat on, is that we, for some of us, we are going to have three elections in eighteen months. So. People listen. This is obviously we do a lot of campaigning talk on this podcast. You guys have to prepare now for what that general election is going to do to all your planning. In terms of, so, um, we have literally I have just been selected again for my county seat in 2025 because once that general election happens, you are going to be knackered, you're going to be broke, you're going to be very, you're going to be exhausted in all sorts of ways, you need to make sure you have everyone in line and in place as soon as possible. Because I remember after the 2019 election, before the before the 2020 elections that were then postponed because of COVID, I was exhausted. I was absolutely shattered. So make sure you can get as much of your planning done now, get your target and your development seat candidates in place, because you will, this general election is going to throw many spanners in the work over to you Hannah
1: all i was going to say is that i uh, you know regular listeners will know that i have no excitement whatsoever for a labour majority government after the next general election however i think on balance would i take that over two general elections in the <laughs> space of three months yes yes i think yes i think i would thank you yes and
2: so i mean martin tories one year of sunak how would you think Sunak has done? You can grade him if you want, or you can... How was... If you were to rate his first year as a Prime Minister? Well,
3: if it weren't for what the, the ones before had done, I would have said catastrophically badly. But, <laughs> um, but you know, he gets a certain bump in performance based on what, what he was coming in off the back of. But there's just some... Mm. I He just seems like a man just grasping for something and he'll grasp onto anything like um concern, labor run a really poor by-election campaign in in uxbridge and south right and all of a sudden it's right the answer to winning the next general election is to throw everything to do with the envir- environment in the bin that will do it uh well no it won't mate um but but unfortunately um Some of it, you know, a lot of us have to live uh, potentially now with some of the consequences of these disastrously bad policy decisions that were taken purely to try and turn around the polls. It didn't work. But now we're going to have to live with some of the consequences of that. I don't know. Another another classic, um, spending a whole week speculating about whether you were going to abandon one of the biggest infrastructure projects in British history, centred around a certain urban conurbation that, I don't know, you were about to hold your can your conference in later that week. I mean, whose idea was that?
2: There's just... <laughs> I've always said it. I think Rishi Sunak is politically naive. I think he was really naive with his green card and all the rest of it, and about the non-don status of his wife. I just, I've always thought he's not the best political operator. I mean, a lot of people say he's actually a really charming guy to spend time with. He clearly has a lot of intelligence in him. But he just feels like he doesn't quite get what what real politics is about, Hannah. He's no
0: superstar, is he? Y- no.
1: Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I've got um I've got a a constituent locally who um who uh, was he was one of Margaret Thatcher's staffers basically back in the day. He's a he's oh, wow. A, he's he's, he's a proper tour. He's a very interesting chap. And he's, get him on the a- pod.
2: <laughs> no, okay, no, okay, maybe not then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he, um, he he said to me years ago. I think it I think it was maybe when Johnson was still prime minister. I said, "Oh God, come on then. Yeah, who's going to be who's going to be the next Tory party party leader? What about Sunak?" Oh, and he said, "You never ever put the bean counter in charge of the country." <laughs> and and that sort of stuck with me to be honest. And I think. So yes, he was chancellor, but he also wasn't a popular chancellor. You know, I I I remember those. He he wasn't giving away money. Yeah, you know, proper Tory, proper Devon Tories on the doorstep in Tiverton, Honiton, telling me he's the most socialist chancellor this you know this country has ever seen. So what he's sort of done to the economy and particularly the tax burden as chancellor to then go from that into and you know unelected by members. Obviously, the, the members, as John rightly points out closely his trust over him um so no I don't think he's in a popular place and yeah there's just a few things on there like the the sort of announcements that he made at conference and the real the fact that that was clearly a massive surprise to the vast majority of his MPs um yeah I agree I I don't think he's I mean he's until the last few weeks I would say he has done a decent job of steadying the ship in that he is nothing's happened really has it you know it's all been sort of fairly fairly peaceful no big scam you know nothing too sort of nothing's been happening really in parliament consider you know to speak of and so yeah I think he's done a reasonable job of steadying the ship after after Liz trust but then yeah it's all absolutely
0: And, and but what a political mess as well not just HS2 but also the smoking ban which you know I suspect if we were to have a say conference debate on it, it would be a really good, lively debate because, you know, there are really good public health reasons for it. There are also good traditional small-l liberal reasons uh, to be against it. But, so, but whatever one thinks about the rights or wrongs of the policy, just think, you know, you're quite a right-wing prime minister trying to fight... Uh, Sort of culture wars and the like, and all about you know, don't let other people tell you what to do, boss you around, whatever. But my big signature policy is to ban smoke. It it's so it it, it's so politically incoherent. It's there's no narrative there. You
3: said it earlier. He's um he lost this trust. He's he's never he's never had a fight and Mm. won. Right, the guy's the MP for Richmond. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's William Hague's constituency. Mm. He doesn't really get any bluer than that. He's never had to fight anything apart from to fight for the Tory leadership, and when he did, he lost to a lettuce. I mean, <laughs> um, so, is, is he? Does he have the instincts to? Um, does he have the political instincts for this fight? Pro- probably not. You know. That was probably a little bit unfair, but just for emphasis... But
0: also, it's not just that he lost the leadership election to Liz Truss, which you could sort of maybe discount a bit like, oh, you know, strange Tory MPs, strange Tory members. But one of the reasons that he lost the leadership election was because his public polling, his standing with the public, steadily deteriorated during that leadership election. So initially, his pitch in part was, I'm the one who can actually (laughs) win votes. And who knows, had he managed to sustain that, maybe he would certainly have done better in the leadership contest. Who knows? Maybe he would even have won one. But but from starting off, being able to point, look at the polls and say, hey, you know, I'm a bit of a political Superman who can rescue you because I'm more popular with the public. The more the public saw of him during that contest, the less they liked him. And so it wasn't just Tory members deciding not to vote for him. It was he wasn't able to even win over the public.
2: And it's, weird, it's interesting what you said about uh, with a bean counter being a good prime minister. When would you last say it was the last successful kind of technocratic prime minister we actually had? And you, you go back and you think, well, Gordon Brown wasn't great. His political instincts weren't brilliant.
0: I mean, John Major did win Don't a general Major. election, to be fair to him, which is one more than the four of us have got between us. So, you know. <laughs> That, no, that is true. And you know, although I'm, you're right, it it then fell apart very quickly for him. You know, his he only had that 1990 to erm crashing out autumn 92. He had had a pretty small period of relative success.
1: Um, I always feel that John Major was a much better prime minister in hindsight than mm. he felt to be at the time. <laughs>
0: Uh, exactly, because he was a prime minister who was surrounded by sleaze, but not really touched by sleaze himself. Although we know oh, subsequently in Kaiser. terms yeah. of his personal life, there was maybe a bit of hypocrisy uh, there. But 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 yeah, he I think by comparison with subsequent uh, leaders who have been surrounded by accusations of sleaze and indeed proven incidents of sleaze in many occasions, he does. Yeah, he does in hindsight seem just fundamentally a more decent human being.
2: Yeah, and I suppose from Rishi's point of view, if we were, we're all now in Tory HQ, imagine that, and he's got his five pledges. The problem is, going forward, I don't see, even if he hits those five pledges, which he won't, um, that if people, if that I can't remember, it might have been Reagan, Mark, you'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, it's like, do you feel richer than what you did 14 mm. years mm. ago? That is the fundamental question. And nobody's going to say, even if they get inflation down to, say, 4% or 3%, that's still inflation going up drastically, and that's still real hard hitting on everyone's pocket. I just don't see how the Tories can potentially turn this around. I mean, does anyone think they've got a slither of light other than something... We, we can't predict whether that's a pandemic or European wars again. It's, this this last four years has been one for unprecedented stuff. Um, but no, I mean, does anyone give them a hope? No. No.
0: This I is... mean, I think we definitely mustn't be complacent. We've absolutely yeah. got to be, you know, ready for it when the general election comes to run our best election campaign. Yeah. You know, in yeah. in sort of memory, you know, it, it and that's a really tough challenge, but that said, I think we can be optimistic about what we might be able to pull off. But we, uh, I think, uh, all of yeah. those Tory troubles mustn't in any way make us complacent.
1: I think the other thing as well with the Conservatives is they'll be back. You know, e- even if they get an absolute thumping at the next general election, they'll be, you know, don't, don't ever, ever, ever discount them. You know, Labour no. will be lucky to get two terms, because we all know they won't bother doing electoral reform. Labour will be lucky to get two terms. And then the Conservative Party will be back. don't know what that will look like, but they will be back and they will be winning general elections again in either one or two. uh, Before
2: Martin Martin comes in, I think, I can't remember who said it just the other day, he said, you think of political ideologies and actually there are things that flow through the Conservative Party through the decades, but their overriding ideology is one of getting power. Martin, your thoughts on where the Tories might be? Um, I think where they've got, an enormous problem I, I
3: i normally try and keep my feet on the ground and not think about too much about the high-minded principles and stuff but there, there does reach a tipping point and i think the biggest problem they've got is you walk out the door or you think about it there's just problems everywhere there's visceral things the whole s- s- state is just falling apart crumbling and the conservatives are just running away from all of it they don't want to talk about it and You know, they're going around trying to find, tell people things that are problems that they can fix. Um, You know, it's like, oh, seven bins, taxes on meat, um, not enough maths taught at school. Um, It's just not credible. You know, they're not talking to anyone about the stuff that everyone knows is broken and needs attending to. And I think it's just... It's not even just about. It's not. It's not just competence. It's just any kind of credibility. And until they change that, they're just in just uh, a wasteland of ideas and just no no possibility. Really, I don't think.
2: And I suppose from our point of view, one thing that I always think about is you not, not Mark mentioned it about Lib Dems not getting over cocky with uh, with how we approach this. My general view is when I campaign in Tory areas or traditionally Tory areas is that think about by default, if Mm -hmm. no one campaigns at them, they will stay Tory. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is the default that they will get to. And so that's why some of these polling projections... Are absolutely ludicrous in terms of yeah. if if no Lib Dem or Labour person has spoke to this person in forty years and they've been voting Tory for forty years, their default, even if they're grumpy, disillusioned with it, when they come to vote, nine times out of ten they are still going to vote Tory. I mean that what's interesting the polling is, and Mark will say, you know, there's been a thirty percent of the twenty nineteen vote. Tory vote is now going to another party, but then the huge chunk of still don't knows. Even after everything that's going on, a massive chunk of Tory vote is still don't knows. But Mark, I'll leave you to to finish this episode in terms of your lasting impressions of what this last week has made uh, for Britain going forward and for the Lib Dem chances.
0: Well, I think the... Politics in the last few years has made predictions a very foolish business. So I'm tempted to try to Mm. dodge your question. But to treat it with the respect that it is due, I think what it has shown is that it does feel like we are at the end of a political era, that we're coming to the edge just as 1996 was, but just Uh, as uh, 1963, I guess, for some older listeners was, um, or more recently, maybe just as 2009 was. And maybe 2009 is the best analogy, because when the Conservatives were trying to bring to an end that three-parliament sort of Labour-winning streak, I mean... All, a lot of the things we've said about Keir Starmer on this podcast, people were saying, maybe ourselves included, about David Cameron back in 2009, about he, how he hadn't really sealed the deal, how he wasn't as popular as Blair had been, etc. But despite all of that, Gordon Brown and the Labour Party did then lose that subsequent general election heavily. And I think, I think that's the track that we're on. And what the last week has shown us is the indications that we're on that track have been strengthened And it's another set of political events. It's another week that's gone by without Rishi Sunak and the Conservatives managing to change course. And if we can, you know, learn anything from the last time round, we had similar situations. Uh, It also means we can be optimistic, realistic, but optimistic about if we really put our minds to it, just what we might be able to pull off for the next election.
2: Lovely. Well, that's a ah, that's a very lovely and optimistic way to finish this episode. So I hope you've all enjoyed that. I hope uh, all of you who are listening and watching, please do follow all these guys on social media. Make sure you follow the Lib Dem Podcast and the Nevermind the Bar Charts podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen. I mean, obviously, and you can watch us now on the Lib Dem Podcast YouTube channel as well. So we appreciate all your comments and thoughts and questions. Uh, one saying I love Hannah Rant's, when can we have the next one, was an interesting one. And the last comment, I thought, we give her enough time for Rant's, any more, uh, I think we might have, you know, we might get some, like, uh, a regulator would have to come in and shut us down at some point. Um, But no, we really do appreciate all of you that listen to us, week in week out, and it was genuinely lovely to meet so many of you at conference who did say actually how much they appreciate these things. Um, yeah, wherever, wherever and whenever you listen to it. So thank you very much to Hannah, to Martin, to Mark. Uh, we'll be back with another episode very soon. Make sure they like, say you do subscribe and we will be back with more news, more policy debates and more reactions to whatever's going on in the world. Thank you very much and we'll catch you in the next one.
0: And as requested by John, that was 13 Taylor Swift song titles.
2: <laughs> so did, did we? Get, honestly, did, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> Not yet.
0: 13. You should leave <laughs> that little clip in at the end. <laughs> right. No, I've, every got really my,
3: I've got my list. I was crossing them off as I went. Oh, I didn't no. even mention no. the only one I know, which is Shake
0: It Off, but maybe you did. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, that was that was not on the list that I had. What, I what might did, have not what scrolled to, you to what that part. I'm very year.
1: impressed. What, what, what did you get? I, I forgot about that. Uh, so
0: I got Afterglow, August, yeah. The Last Time, The Man, Superstar, Superman, Gold Rush, September, would have, could have, should have, which really, that was a bit of a shoehorn. It's <coughs> time to go. You're losing me, and ready for it.